Hello and a big welcome to all of you who are listen and all the viewers and uh, a very, very big welcome to you, Lara Kronberger. Uh, you are from Wisconsin and uh, I'm so excited to hear about your story today. Well, thank you for having me, Anne. <laughs> well, Great. my story started when I was seven. And my mother, my dad went out of town on business. My mom decided that I needed a pony. We went and found one. She bought it. She brought it home. And when he got home, he needed to build fence. He was not a very happy man. But that is how my horse career started. Wow. She bought me a pony. <laughs> she put me in lessons like the next week. And I took lessons for about 10 years. Wow. Um, I participated in 4-H and FFA all through, you know, elementary school and high school and I did the little shows I wasn't like an open show person like somebody that went every weekend but I I rode a lot mm -hmm. and um and then I graduated I went off to college my my pony ended up passing away because he was you know aged at that point the quarter horse that I had gotten in high school we ended up selling him and I kind of went without horses for about eight years oh wow yeah and then Opportunity struck. Um, a piece of land that was available for sale about a mile down the road from where my parents had bought a bunch of land for their, you know, permanent residence for retirement and everything else. Mm -hmm. And uh, and they said, well, why don't you just move the house that sits here down to the other the other piece of land? And I'm like, so at 22. I moved a house a mile down the road, put it on a new basement on a bare piece of property <laughs> and and built my own little horse farm. Yeah, it looked oh, kind of silly out there yeah. in the middle of a bare field, just a house <laughs> and a driveway. Yes. It was, I've learned a lot, let's just say that. And uh, about, I don't know, a couple of years later, I moved uh, another building from my parents' property from a mile down the road. It was a, a pig shed um, okay. for for sows or something and I moved that down here on a hay wagon or using a hay wagon and um, put that up as a run-in shed for two horses that I adopted from the American Standard Bread Adoption Program which was uh, is a nonprofit here in Wisconsin that um, adopts okay. out uh, race horses ex-race yes. horses yes. standard bread. so my first two horses as an adult were standard bred ex-race horses yeah um and i i of course finished off one of the horses one of them was already trained to ride and the other one i finished and and then i started volunteering for that program for a while and then the boyfriend i had at the time we started our own horse rescue business um okay nonprofit organization called the Midwest Horse Welfare Foundation. When we split, I let the program go with him. <laughs> okay. Not okay. that I didn't not that I didn't love it. It it started out with me, but through a series of events, he ended up with it. And to be perfectly honest, I think that was for the best. It's thriving. Um I can't say I like the man much, but that's a different story. And uh but it's doing well. And that was, to me, the best thing that could happen for that program was it continued yes. to thrive because um, it did help a lot of horses. It helped a lot of horses. Yes, in yes. The, even in the first couple of years when I, we founded it and all of that, we helped a lot of horses and now it helps even more. So that was the idea. And I'm glad it's it's still going. Um, then I, I got a career in IT. I did IT work for 15 years. Mm -hmm. um, I love my job i have a somebody said this once or i read it if you love what you do you'll never work a day in your life yeah that's right and um yeah. once i started in it i loved what i did i learned every day there was nothing that wasn't new every day and i i loved it and at the same time i also like during the same periods of time when i was doing all these other things I got an equine sports massage therapy certification here from the Institute of Equine Therapy down in Janesville. And uh, unfortunately at the time, I mean, it was like 2002. This was like a new thing back then, you know, 20 years ago. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, 
I could not make that business work in central Wisconsin. We are a bunch of dairy farmers here. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and they are the, the horse people that are here are not like the horse people you'd find in other states that where it's a very huge, you know, you got big communities of things, Texas and mm -hmm. Illinois and things yeah. like that. And so I, I did a little bit of it in Texas when I moved to Texas for about a year and I'd started some clientele, but it just, it was very hard. It was hard to find, it was hard to find places to live and places to work. I, I ended up coming back. And, and when I started in IT, I did that for a long time and I just enjoyed trail riding and I trail rode all over the place, mm -hmm. all over the state. I even, um, I even went out to South, or, uh, Idaho at one point in time, but basically I've been a trail rider for, you know, 15, 20 years. Um, okay. and I've been a horseback rider for 40. So, um, then, uh, I, uh, in 2019, um, we went on the Idaho Silver Spur Ranch, um, great, great, um, world's greatest horse drive or world only horse drive. Anyway, um, I took my saddle. Um, so around 2008, and I know I'm jumping around cause I should be watching my notes and I'm staring at you instead. <laughs> 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 around 2008 I had gotten um a horse uh that as a bad boarding agreement she ended up I ended up just acquiring her because the people didn't pay their board horse becomes mine according to law here so okay um and I left her sit and I it was it was one of the dumbest things they did it was probably very good for her to be left to sit but she was she was a gem. She ended up being my regular riding horse for close to 10 years. Mm -hmm. um, last year, I had to retire her. And this year, I'm probably going to have to say goodbye. Um, but we rode, and she was a little asymmetrical because of arthritis in one of her front knees. And it was due because she was a trained reining horse, and she was, very, she was pretty good at it. And by the time I got her, they had spun her into arthritis, basically. And, um, so we trail road, we trail road everywhere. She, mm -hmm. she would, she would go through everything. She would lead, she would follow. She would, she would get people out of a jam. We'd pony, we'd go find horses and pony them back when somebody got dumped, things like that. And, but every saddle I used on her caused massive soaring. Um, oh, wow. and I, and it was, so I went on the hunt and it took me a while. I had, I had been looking at this saddle, the, the evolutionary saddle for a while. And when I finally got Dixie and I realized that I had found a horse that actually really needed this, that needed something that was going to fit. Mm -hmm. um, I went, saved up, saved up all of my money from my bonuses and stuff and said in my taxes. And I went and I bought a saddle and I bought it in the middle of winter, you know, and it had a 30 day money back guarantee. It's unfortunate. I don't get to ride in February. It's too icy here. Okay. <laughs> and um, I waited, I waited a very long two months and I put the first rides on anybody that would let me on their horses. Like, you don't want to ride him the first ride? I'll ride him. I just want to test my saddle. <laughs> <laughs> so I put a lot of first rides on a lot of people's horses that year. I didn't really care. I was like, oh, if they buck, it's okay. I've been falling off my old horse a lot over the years anyway, I'll, I'll thud well. So we, I went and I tried that and I, I rode everything under the sun and I, I got great sweat marks. I never had a, you know, after palpating, I never had any problems. There was no soreness, dry spine. I was just like, this is, I've hit the jackpot. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I started riding my Marinette and the difference in the way she moved was undescribable. I mean, she was a great horse. She carried herself well. She, I called her my Cadillac because, mm -hmm. you know, all you had to really do was just get on and enjoy the ride, truly. Yeah. And uh, it only got better after that saddle. And That's it sad. probably helped her stay as sound as she did for as long as she did for me to ride her. And uh, can so I just ask, ask this saddle, is it a, an English saddle or a Western saddle? Um, it's both. Um, both. I make, okay. I make 
English saddles and I make endurance saddles and I make Western saddles. Um, okay. The way the saddle works is that the top is for the rider. The tree, what you sit on, all of that is for you. It's to make sure that you can ride comfortably, you can ride centered, and you can ride um, without in, impinging on your horse, right? Because some saddles, while it may fit your horse, if you sit in it, it makes you sit on your hip pockets, which now mm -hmm. makes that saddle not really fit your horse anymore. Because now you're 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 driving into their loins. So so that the the beauty of the per, the particular saddle I got has is an endurance saddle. Um, it was called the Officer. I still make them, um, and it's got no horn, so it feels more like an English saddle, but it's got a Western seat and and yeah. Western bars. Okay. Um, not that the Western bars actually make a difference. Um, it's just where the panels are mounted because my saddle is a flexible panel saddle, um, basically. 10 generations past Orthoflex, which is a very popular name, um, brand name. But there is a history to them too. And then we went through, I mean, I'm on the System X and they started out with the System 1 and they landed before Orthoflex um, was sold and they stopped making panel saddles. They kind of stopped at System 3. Mm -hmm. um, but it's been developed more since then to redistribute way better but I'll get to that. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I found this saddle. I was riding her in it and I rode everybody else in it. And then uh, my dream, I've had a couple of like big vacation dreams for like, you know, once I'm going to do this at least once hmm. um, was to be on a horse drive. I would have loved to round up Mustangs, but I'm not that good. I'll never have a horse that's that good. And this was as close as I was going to get. So I went on the the Great American Horse Drive that's out in Idaho by uh, Silver Spur Ranch. And they allow you to bring your own saddles. Okay. So Sandy, my friend Sandy and I, she, after watching me have such great success with my saddle, she ended up getting a gelding that her current DeSoto was causing a hunter's bump on his loin every single ride. And and it would make his his really hollow trot even worse. So <clears throat> she went and invested in the saddle as well. And so we both took our saddles out west to go and take it on this this huge ride, which was at the time twenty miles a day at above nine thousand feet, and you know for four days, five days. Wow. Four days, yeah. something like that. Four, five days. We did a trail ride the first day, and then we did a horse drive for four days. Now I think that horse drive is a little shorter, but at the time it was a four-day horse drive. Yeah. And um, by the second day of the drive, they stopped checking our horses' backs in the morning for soreness. Now they were checking everybody's because we were watching them tack up, but they stopped. It was kind of weird. I'm like, they're just. They palpate everybody, but they're not palpating ours. Okay. And they would, it took them a minute to figure out how to use our saddle just because they had never seen it before. And they took really good care of them because they took care of the tack. Because um, I, I was under the impression when I read all their directions that I was going to have to saddle my own horse, but apparently that was wrong. They okay. did it for me every day. <laughs> okay. Which was convenient. You know, it's a vacation, right? Yeah. <laughs> um. So on the way back from that ride that we had great success, I mean, if it wasn't for that saddle, I'm pretty sure I wouldn't have survived very well in the other saddles that they had. Uh -huh. um, between my knees and my ankles, by the second or third day, I would have trouble walking. Hmm. So um, I was very grateful that they let me use my saddle and that it performed as well as it did. Um, so on the way back from that vacation, we stopped at the camps, the campground that my predecessor owns, um, that she runs and owns and runs. And uh, it's out in South Dakota. And we, I said, well, it's a halfway point. It's only like a nine hour drive from there to Holmes. Why don't we stay there and visit with Kathy? You know, cause that's who we bought our saddles from and see what she was up to and see what her place was. Maybe we'll want to bring our horses out here to ride. Cause it was a horse campground. Yeah. And so we stopped by and we, and I'm talking to her and I'm like, you know, I'd really like to learn a trade and, you know, carpentry isn't my thing. And, 
not a plumber. And uh, I said, but saddles, leather work, you know, that might be right up my alley. Would you be willing to teach me how to build these saddles? Because I had continued to watch your website. And I noticed that they hadn't been building saddles in a while. Um, in 2015, they got in a head-end car crash. And it kind of ended the the making of evolutionary saddles because they couldn't sit for long periods of time and they couldn't stand for long periods oh, of time. Oh, yeah. So they couldn't build. I oh. mean, I'll I'll stand half my day and I'll sit half my day. Mm-hmm. Um, there wasn't, but it wasn't something that was an up down kind of thing. It was like you're gonna sit for four hours, or you're gonna stand for four hours. So <laughs> <clears throat> so they they basically, because of their injuries, I mean, it, she had sustained a broken neck. He had sustained a bunch of of broken leg issues. And uh, so they stopped building saddles somewhere around 2015, 2016. In their final orders, they ended up having to subcontract out to another panel saddle maker to finish some of the stuff with their materials. Okay. And so I've been watching her website. And since I'd seen that she hadn't built saddles, and I'm like, shoot, man, maybe I can just build like, you know, just be a builder and build a, you know, do my IT job and, mm-hmm. and build on the side. I had, a, I had been there long enough. So I had this huge amount of, of like uh vacation time. I figured, you know, I could go take a month off, go learn how to build saddles and then come back here and do that on the side, like a side gig, you know? Yes. And uh, she's like, yeah, absolutely. She gave me a bunch of videos, sent me home with a bunch of information and I was like, I'll be out there next March in 2020. And she's like, all right. Yeah, 2020. So towards the end of 2019, after my vacation and everything, and I get back, I, in IT, I was, uh, I was an end user computing specialist. I, I did all the ordering and I decided on what hardware the corporation was going to use and which ones we were going to get and that kind of thing. So and I was talking to my sales guy from Lenovo, which is a China-based computer manufacturer. And my lead time started to spike. Like, you know, it used to take four weeks was now taking 12 or 16. And, and I'm like, and this was in September and October. So by the time February rolled around and they tell us that this is some massive thing, because the reason these lead times were getting so long because all the factories were getting shut down in Wuhan, because that's where my parts were made. <laughs> because everybody was sick. It was like, you couldn't run the place because everybody was home with the flu. Yeah. And um, and that just kind of snowballed. So by the time it came here, I was like, well, this has been going on over there forever. <laughs> I can't get parts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it screwed up our budgets. Anyway, so, yeah. I, uh, so when that hit, I'm like, oh. I guess I'm not going to South Dakota to learn how to build saddles. And, and so my, my, you know, since all the travel restrictions and all the crap that was going on, I I kind of said, well, I guess I'll just wait to learn to build saddles till after this all kind of blows over. Right. Mm -hmm. So I go on my vacation in August with it. And I get back after two weeks and the day after I get back, my boss calls me up. She goes, I'm really sorry. She goes, I got some bad news. She goes, but if it makes you feel any better, I'm on the list too. <laughs> and since we had talked about this, I knew what was coming. They yeah. had already closed down a, a couple of mills for other mm-hmm. various reasons that were not really COVID related. This was like writing on the wall kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but because they had downsized manufacturing, they were going to downsize corporate IT and that's what I was a part of. And, uh, and I was like, but they were going to give me six months to transition out. So mm-hmm. I wasn't going to actually lose my job until 2021. So, you know, I did the normal freak out. <laughs> what am I going to do? <laughs> yeah. oh <my> God! <laughs> and I'm like, well, you know, I did want to build saddles. Maybe, maybe I'm going to have a, I'm going to have a decent severance package. I'm going to have, you know, Things aren't going to be that bad. Maybe I can just build saddles on the side. I'm, mm. At this point, I'll have free time. I'll be able to go out there and spend all the time I need to learn if I want. And I can come back and build saddles, right? Mm. So I, you know, I emailed Kathy and I said, you know, I, uh, or I called her, I think even. 
said, you know, I lost my job. <laughs> well, I'm actually, I'm going to be losing my job in six months. And, you know, I'd like to learn how to build saddles. I'm going to have a lot of free time after March of 2021. And can I come? And she's like, huh? Yeah. Let me, let me think about that. She says, and I'll get back to you. I said, cool. And uh, she ended up sending me a, a bill of sale. I'm like, what is this? I was confused at first, to be perfectly honest. I was like, what? I just want to learn to build saddles. You just have to pay me a commission of like a grand a saddle. I'd be happy, right? You know, and and she and she basically says, No, I think I think maybe you should uh you should buy the whole business, do it as an asset sale and build them, build them for yourself and build them for, you know, take up make it go further because she couldn't she just mm -hmm. wasn't physically able to do it anymore no. and she was running a campground and even that was pretty stressful I mean she I guess at one point right before we had arrived she was she was in a very bad way because of the pain because of a broken neck mm -hmm. and all the things that had come from that she ended up learning um and taking up this classical stretch which had transformed her life she's now active and moving around no more pain no more anything and uh so she's she's actually doing really well but at, at that time she was she was on that path of getting better mm -hmm. she's like why don't you just buy it mm -hmm. and i was like i don't know if that's such a good idea i mean yeah it's a great sad and yes I sell it even though I don't have any stake in it when somebody asks me about it I show them all the stuff and I do all the I was doing the demo before I ever started building them yeah <laughs> you know um anybody that asked me that's just a cool looking saddle yeah and it fits every horse I put it on yeah and people don't believe me yeah it does I got pictures <laughs> <laughs> and uh and so I I I called up a friend of mine who runs a used car place and auto body shop. And I said, what do you think? He goes, you know, you could do this. You could do this. He goes, can you afford it? I said, yeah, probably. I'll have to dip into my retirement and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. He goes, yeah, you can do this. He goes, you should get a, a HELOC, you know, get, get something, a, a home equity line of credit on your house. He goes, it'll help your capital. He goes, and not only that is that it's going to be exponentially harder for you to get once you're self-employed. He said, oh, if he hadn't given me that advice, we would not be here today. No. <laughs> um, if it wasn't for Eric, I, I might have passed up on this and just gone and tried to find another job. Mm. Um, I'm very happy that I didn't. So I went and I, I figured it out. I went and I ran the numbers. I you know, I, I, it, it should work. I, I should be able to do this, should be able to make this. And, uh, and that's where it began. So in October of 2020, I went and put my down payment on this business. And in March of 2021, I paid my final payment and I learned how to build them. And since then I have been building. Um, and I've, I've sold a few I've got, if you check out my website, you'll see the ones that I have made because I try my, my Facebook pages, but yeah, I've been building ever since and, and making tech. And I have to say that that old adage that if you, if you love what you do, you'll never work a day in your life. Mm -hmm. I do. I didn't know if I'd like a change in career. Remember I was in it. I used to sit yeah. at a desk <laughs> like this all day long mm -hmm. and I loved it. And every now and again, I would travel around and do my hardware stuff at my remote users because I would, it was a paper company I worked for. So I took care of all the wood yards that supplied the wood for the company. Mm -hmm. So I took care of all their IT needs. So I got to travel around a couple times a year just yeah. to go check on them. Otherwise, I got to sit in my easy chair or behind mm -hmm. a desk watching TV and working. I mean, it was, I loved my job. I, I loved the people I worked with. I loved it all. Mm -hmm. And to be able to say that now, after doing, after making the transition of such drastic from IT to leather work, um, I can't say that it's been easy. I can't say that it's been 
it's been easy at all. It's been frustrating because I was alone Mm -hmm. and doing things alone when you used to have a team. Yeah. You know, people to bounce ideas off of or to just say, you're you're nuts. Mm -hmm. You know, when you come up with something like, oh, well, that's well, that's well, that's ugly. You know, (laughs) if you're by yourself and you think everything's beautiful and it's all perfect. Right. Or it's all crap. Yeah. But you need it's nice to have a team member. In September of 2021, I was able to bring on an apprentice and it has changed a lot of things. Um, You know, it's, it costs me money, but it it also helps me keep focused and it helps me, you know, bounce ideas off of somebody when I want to, you know, if I'm, I'm stuck, Mm -hmm. Um, I just, it it, it is incredible. Um, I also have a sales team too. But, you know, really, it's it's always been about the horse and rider. Um, what I really loved about the saddle and why I bought it myself was the fact that it it sits me centered. Like immediately when you sit in it, it sits you centered. Mm. Depending on the seat, um, you know, if you need a wider twist or a narrower twist, people's pelvic areas, their bony structures are different. Some people need a narrower twist, especially those that haven't had children. Yeah. Those that have had children, their pelvis, their pelvic bones are a little wider. Yeah. They need a bigger base underneath them. Um, depending on their, you know, their makeup in the rear, if they don't have a lot of musculature under their butts, like me, I'm flat, no booty. <laughs> and, uh, you know, you need a little extra cushion. Yeah. I actually had a gentleman call me once going, can you put extra padding under where the seat bones are? goes because I get open sores when I ride in saddles and I was like oh my god well of course I can yeah you know um so yeah you get you you get them all and I I try to cater to those that are struggling to find something in the conventional world either finding a saddle that fits them fits their horse fits them both um uh, as the riding as they're riding the rider's age, you know, they have different needs. I mm. cater to the people that are have a hip replacement and they still want to ride, but it's uncomfortable to mm. ride in something that's got a hard seat. For some of them, it's very comfortable. It depends on their body structure, their bony structure. Mm. Um, so I sculpt seats um, depending on, you know, what a rider tells me about how other saddles that they've loved and hated fit them. Mm. and try to find that happy medium for them since the bottom of the saddle the way it's been designed will fit just about any horse you put it on I've only had a few horses that it didn't fit and that was because they were not the norm it was one was a very large police horse in Canada (laughs) I have never seen a mare have such tall withers and broad shoulders at the same time mm-hmm. ever I mean it was when they sent me a picture of my saddle on this horse's back it looked like a postage stamp <laughs> I said oh my god that doesn't fit <laughs> said, said it back so um yeah there, there's and there's been times when I've been very surprised that it fit at all and I'm like I put my 17 inch western looking english looking saddle because it looks kind of like a combo um on a 13 hand pony (laughs) it looked like it kind of engulfed the horse or the little pony but it fit the Mm. weight bearing surfaces of the saddle were in the parameters necessary because the the front of the saddle can overlap the scapula by up to three inches and so you know, when I had to slide it forward, more forward than one would think a saddle should be, it, it looked a little funny. But rode seven, eight miles and didn't have any problems with that. Um, The horse with the pony was perfectly fine. Odin. And, uh, Odin. Hey, sorry about that. <laughs> We all got animals. <laughs> oh, good gravy. I've got 
I've got 10 horses in the pasture and two dogs in here yeah. and a guy <laughs> out there collecting, have my mother over here scooping all my composted horse manure into a dumper trailer for a guy that's taking it all away. So it's like a zoo out there. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, nobody can bother me. I'm on my, my meeting here. So, yeah. <laughs> um, so the way my saddle has worked or it works is that it is a free moving panel on the bottom of a wood tree, solid wood tree. Um, there are other panel saddles out there such as reactor panel, American flex. Um, a lot of these places are out of business. Reactor panel is still in business. I am still in business. And there's a place in Canada that is making the American flex called DK Saddlery. And we're pretty much it. Um, the living bar saddle is a, is also uh, a panel saddle, but I've heard some rumors that she may no longer be in business. So I'm, I can't really say anyway, yay or nay about that. I know that her saddles are very well liked. That's all I know though. So my saddle, because of the way it's designed, it redistributes weight into the middle. So, you know, when you put a saddle on a horse's back, English saddles are better at doing this than Western saddles because you can flock an English saddle to the shape of an individual horse a lot easier. It may not, you know, move and change as the horses move, but it does a much better job as long as the center channel is wide enough. Um, I've had a lot of luck helping people with English saddles that fit pretty well, but you know, they don't want to invest in one of mine, which is fine, but I can help them shim if they don't want to get it reflocked or reflocking isn't actually going to help with certain things because this is about building a horse's muscle up so that the saddle fit a little better. It just depends. Every horse and the rider is individual. So mm -hmm. you have to take them all as on a case by case basis, which is what I love about this business. <laughs> yeah. It <laughs> would be never be honest. the same. It's, it's nothing all... is the same. No, you'll never know it all. No. There's always something new. It doesn't matter how old you are. I've been doing this for 40 years and I'm still learning. Yeah. And and it will always be this way. It was what I loved about IT and is what I love about this Bitcoin industry. You know, um, it's just a shame that the economy is doing the things that it's doing these days mm -hmm. because it makes starting a business more of a struggle. Yeah. Although I believe that there was an advantage to for me due to the timing. And I know this is going to sound strange. But my predecessor was a marketing person from the 90s. So she was, she did a lot of print. She did a lot of, um, you know, advertising in, in magazines. She did, you know, mailers and she sent out catalogs and, and things like that, right? And in the digital age, this is where she would struggle with it because her website was from 1995. So if you liked to read, which I liked to read, it was a fine site because there was a lot of reading to be done. Mm -hmm. If you liked looking at a lot of pictures and not reading as much, her site was going to make you go. And you were you were just it, gone. Yeah. So my IT background, you know, coupled with the fact that I was starting during a time where everybody was truly focused on social media online marketing, advertising, mm -hmm. and all that kind of stuff. That while print is not dead, I guarantee it's not dead. But when you're trying to start out, having people genuinely focused on their phones and their tablets 12 hours a day um, was only to my advantage. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yes. And I didn't have to invest hundreds or thousands of dollars in advertising in magazines or print things, wow. which can't determine their return. So you may spend a whole bunch of money and you may have gotten only one sale or no sales off of it. But unless you say, tell me you saw this ad here before you came, remembering that a person has to come and look at you or look at your stuff or look at your products up to eight times before they actually buy yeah 
they're not you're not really going to get an accurate you know analysis of of what those investments would be so i lucked out i could invest time which i had lots of versus money which i had little of yeah. and invested in marketing online now granted you know i i can't say that i'm some spectacular marketer but everything that i have tried has helped me build um so you know i try to follow through so i started out with denise alvarez and how i how to market your horse business is the name of her company from or her groups part of storm lily and uh when I found her and I kind of started following some of her podcasts and figuring out, and she actually, what I figured out after listening to every single podcast, her business started around the same time mine did. Uh -huh. um, and, you know, she had been working in that industry for a long time and she decided to strike it out on her own. So I got to follow her from her infancy and she's followed me from mine. And it's been kind of interesting, but all of her suggestions have helped me grow. Um, and then I found Melody where you and I met and, uh, and her things have helped me reduce inventory and practical stuff, things mm -hmm. that I probably would have eventually come up with, but on my own, but it would have taken a lot longer and having these people and having the resources that are just at our fingertips from an industry that I came from, which makes it really easy for me to do because I understand it you know fundamentally yeah. you know i it's helped it's helped a lot it's like i prepared for this whole thing my entire life mm -hmm. from all the little bartending jobs doing all the customer service over the phone tech support over the phone for a few years um hospitality management and retail i mean i've done a smattering of just about everything but construction <laughs> plumbing and carpentry you know I wanted to learn a trade I've been doing all these service jobs for you know my entire life and uh, so I got my trade and since I was able to bring all of my service skills with me it's made me that much better because I've noticed that a lot of tradespeople are really good at the trades but when it comes to certain customer service aspects they they lack the ability to keep a customer happy while, while telling them bad news. Mm. Um, something that I got very good at with <laughs> 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 doing tech support is it's like, sorry, oh. <laughs> your, sorry, your computer's never going to turn on again. <laughs> you know, I've had to tell people that yeah. and, and, or tell them that, you know, sorry, you're still going to owe us all of this or, but, those skills that I gained have helped me, you know, deal with customers here because I, you know, some people call up and they're in a rage, like it doesn't work. It doesn't fit my horse anymore. I don't know why the rigging is, why is it slipping back? Why is, why, you know, and hmm. why is it tilting to one side or this or that? Or, and because I'm able to talk them off the ledge so that they can get calm enough to tell me what the problem is so we can actually solve it. This has been inherently in, yeah. and dramatically in my favor during this so while I feel as though it's been a struggle from start to finish or start to now it is if it if I had tried to do this even let's say you know seven years ago just you know a couple of years before the pandemic I don't know if I would have the same success as no. I would have because I started in a in a way that I think helped me focus on on certain things that would help get my name out there more easily, hmm. where I wouldn't have had to spread myself thin over a bunch of different mediums, trying to get my name out there, um, or going to a lot of expos, which you know cost a lot of money to go to. Um, I've been able to grow organically just by doing the marketing online and, and trying to show who I am and what I do and that I use my own stuff. And then I try to do the same things. I mean, I've started riding endurance. I've always kind of wanted to compete in something as an adult, but I have a 
really competitive nature from being a basically a jock in high school. And, you know, I didn't really want to go do open shows. I, I didn't want to do that kind of thing. So endurance had always appealed to me. And finally, I had an opportunity to try that and have a mentor for it. Hmm. So that's what I've been doing this past year is, is trying to prepare a horse and condition a horse to do a 25 mile limited distance endurance ride, riding in my saddle the whole time and saying, yes, I do this too. And yes, I it, it's proven to work. And that's, you know, to kind of put a feather in my cap, have meat in the game as they skin in the game, as they say, yeah. um, so that people can see it and, and ask me about it, hopefully. So we'll see. But yeah, that's kind yeah. of where I'm at. I've, that's how I got here and, and how I feel is where I'm, I'm going, I guess. I, I expect to, to continue moving forward and with the new, the new things that I'm coming out with um, as far as making it more reachable for people. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that the price point can be the sticker shock. It got me back in, you know, 15 years ago. It yeah. got me too. It was like, and that was expensive for then. Um, and but a saddle you have in so many years. So uh, yeah. yeah, it's it's not the the investment I think because you you will if you invest well, in a saddle who uh, that is not fit the horse, then you have uh, vet right. bills instead. Yeah, yeah, right. And and people. I understand their frustration because they spent, you know, 40 grand on their trailer and they spent 20 grand on their horse. Mm -hmm. You know, isn't there anywhere they can save money? We can save it in the tack. Mm -hmm. Well, the problem is, is you get what you pay for. You got what you paid for in the trailer. You got what you paid for in the horse. And you were going to get what you pay for in your saddle Mm -hmm. because it's going to either cost you money or it's going to make you money or save you money or keep you from spending money. Yes. (laughs) Break even. (laughs) <laughs> um so yeah that's i i try to you know remind people of that you're investing in a saddle you're investing in something that fits you and will fit not only the horse you're riding now but your future horses mm-hmm. and and i do offer you know for those that live you know within a couple of hours if you want to come ride with me i'll meet you somewhere we'll go for a trail ride i'll bring you a saddle to ride in and you can see for yourself. We'll, you know, see how it works for you. Mm-hmm. Um, some people want a little bit more than that, which is why I kind of offer the, that's why I offer the 30 day money back guarantee gives you 30 days from the moment you get the saddle to try it, ride it, store your horse if you can, if you can, but give it a shot and see mm-hmm. what happens. Um, and then if you hate it for whatever reason, no questions asked, you can return it. Um, there are some restocking fees depending on if it was a fancy saddle or a custom saddle and things like that. But for like an off the rack saddle, um, most of them will come with a 30 day money back guarantee depending um, on whatever the business deal we end up making. Because <laughs> yeah. there's a couple of ways to buy a saddle. Um, I have a lease to own program that's coming that I'm rolling out. The client asked me, this is the other thing, clients, have to remember that us small business owners don't have a team saying, oh, maybe we should do this. Or, oh, maybe we should do this. You know, based on their life experiences, we only have ours to base our stuff off of. And depending on how we think, we may not think everything. A client asked me once, do you rent saddles? And I'm like, rent saddles? Mm-hmm. Do they do that? So I Googled it because I didn't know. I mean, I'd never rented a saddle before. No. <laughs> <laughs> and oh, by gosh by golly they rent saddles they rent high-end saddles it was a little i had sticker shock at one of the it was, it was an eight grand saddle oh yeah we'll rent that to you really wow <laughs> and so i was like there's a whole there's a whole industry of saddle rental especially for those people that have a horse that's changing shape you can rent a saddle Trade it in like you lease a car, get another one, and yeah. change 
that changes with your horse. Mm -hmm. I thought that was brilliant. Yeah. I said, well, let me look into this. Let me see what I can do. Thus, the saddle lease to own program has has been born. And I've set it up so that a person can either rent it for like the summer. Like you just, I want to know if it's going to work and I can decide later. Sure. Yeah. yeah. And they can just rent it for the summer. And then if they want to turn it back in, they can just turn it back in. Or if they decide they love it, want to keep it. If they just keep renting it and, you know, at that point from the moment they started renting in 16 months, it'll be paid off. Yeah. So then they'll own it. Um, and trying to keep the the payments from feeling as though you're spending like two grand here and two grand here, which really, unless you're a saver or you have a lot of extra disposable income, puts a crimp on a budget. It's easier to work in a payment than it is to work in some big lump sum a lot of times. Mm. As anybody that's run into a $2,000 vet bill knows, you know, it's just like, yeah, <laughs> you know, so there is that. Um it's only going to be offered on new and prototype saddles. So basically you're going to get whatever comes out of my head or something that's already part of the models that are there, mm -hmm. um, which it's going to be a couple of models that are there right now for the first couple of set for the next couple of saddles that I'm going to be building for this program. Um, and then of course I make all kinds of tack. One thing that I, I try to urge every person that, that I talk to that's either riding or wants to buy a saddle, or wants me to look at their saddle. It doesn't matter. Conventional saddle or mine. Everyone should wear a breast collar. Mm -hmm. Everyone. On the flat, in an arena, on a trail, wandering around your yard, anywhere. Always have a breast collar. And it's not to keep your saddle from sliding backwards. It's not for that at all. It helps with that. On heels, obviously what it was designed for and it also helps if you're going to be you know dragging something gives more than just around the waist mm -hmm. you know but it's really to keep you from dying one is that that saddle's never going to slip past about just over the withers mm -hmm. um won't just won't you'll never get it slipping underneath their belly ripping off all the stirrups destroying the saddle destroying the tree and freaking your horse out beyond belief mm -hmm. just won't happen. You'll not only be able to exit with some kind of grace with an emergency dismount if something goes awry, but I've watched my saddle try to get destroyed by not wearing a breast collar. And I'll tell you, the day she ripped off the that one little mare ripped off my stirrup hanger bar, I'm like, oh, no. I started to cry just right there in the arena. Oh my God. <laughs> and then the another time it was before I'd ever had this saddle I watched I watched a, somebody bounce a couple of times slip go underneath horse takes off down the road you know freaking out I watched another one while we were on a trail ride girl got bucked off horse bounced a couple of times ran off into the woods saddle was starting to slip from being bucked off and all of a sudden it went under and off he went by the time I got to them, the saddle had been completely destroyed, um, yeah. unrepairable, tree broken yeah. by the bars. It was it was bad. Yeah. Um, horse was freaking out too. Bear, I could barely get yeah. close enough to him to yeah. catch him and get the remainder of the saddle off. Mm -hmm. um, so I urge everybody, and I'll tell them all the horror stories because I've watched them. Always wear a breast collar. What else? Yeah. Um, I also do a lot of uh, saddle fitting for conventional saddles. People like to know if their saddle fits. Yeah. Um, I am not like a lot of the other saddle fitters that'll come with a bunch of trees and a bunch of devices to see what shape your horse's back is because I, if you have a saddle that you want it to fit, um, I'm going to tell you whether or not it fits or not. And if it's, and if it fits well enough to be shipped. If it doesn't fit well enough to be shimmed, I'll just play it straight. Mm. And if you want to saddle that fits, I can show you mine. But I'm not going to help you find a conventional saddle that fits because I think they do more harm than good over time. Um, because as everybody knows, as you use a muscle, it changes shape. So 
if you want your horse to like as your horse builds up their back muscles because you're getting them to come underneath from behind and lift their front end and use their abdominals yeah your saddle is going to start to not fit but you're probably going to wait too long to change your saddle so something that fits a little bit better because it's either comfortable for you you haven't noticed or you don't realize that it needs to be done that often um, when I start using shims with somebody and they ride regularly several times a week or even a couple times a week and they're building their horses back up, they need to check those shims every 30 days because if they don't, I had a client call me. She goes, my saddle seems really tippy. Really? And we had shimmed. This was a very sway-backed horse. He had a very high wither. It came straight down behind it and then it did a flat spot it, then it did a flat spot and raised up in the back. And so all saddles kind of jabbed him in the loin and dropped behind his withers. And so we had to kind of build it up in the middle. Mm -hmm. And once we did that, um, I'm on the phone now. Anyway, so once we did that, um, her horse started to move better. He started to use his back. He started to use his abdominals. She started having a massage therapist come and she was doing regular exercises with his abdominals. And what ended up happening is he ended up needing his shims removed, at least a couple of them. She's like, it just seems like it's really tippy in the back. I said, have you removed any shims? She's like, no. I said, you need to remove a shim. <laughs> She's like, oh, okay. And the problem went away. Yeah, but that's only because she's she's actually riding in one of my saddles, and so it's moving with the horse. He's using his back, he's getting the exercise and the physical therapy to make it better, and he changed drastically enough to cause people to notice that she looked funny riding him because his back had changed shape. Um, and with a conventional saddle, if you wait too long, it you can end up causing more damage, mm -hmm. you know, by leaving a shim in there causing another pressure point because you've built up that leg space and and now you've got another sore horse and then they're blaming blaming <laughs> blaming everybody yeah but their lack of just paying attention and it's just what happens um well yeah do you do you send the saddle uh, uh, far away from you or is it uh, is it just in oh the yeah local? i have sent them i'll send them overseas i will send them i've sent them to canada mm -hmm. um i i've sent i've sent products to australia already um, wow but i'm willing to sell to anybody um mm -hmm. i i can ship internationally um i know that you know that that, that comes with problems on the receiver's end where they got to pay a bunch of tax yeah <laughs> um, and that kind of thing I, I i do feel for that and that's probably why i mean i i have a following overseas but i haven't sold a lot of saddles there are saddles over there that i know people have purchased mm -hmm. um i know um actually i have a client that actually i call most people that call me for any question a client whether they've bought something from me or not because mm -hmm. to me it's about them if they have one of these saddles whether i built it Kathy built it. Mm -hmm. um, I'll even help support a lot of the Orthoflex stuff because they're Len Brown is uh, not supporting it anymore, and and all the the people that own the name now don't make a panel saddle anymore either. Mm -hmm. So I help all panel saddle people, and they all become my clients because it's about them and their horse. And if their their horse and them are happy, then they'll be coming back and looking for me. Mm -hmm. The old rule of thumb in sales, yeah. a happy person tells three people, an angry person tells nine. Yeah. <laughs> so I have to keep people extremely happy so I can get them to tell at least three people, mm. maybe more. Um, so yeah, <laughs> I do. I do. I love my clients. I have yeah. one lady from over, I think she's in England somewhere in the UK and, uh, She's got a couple of horses that she's been using the saddles on. She goes, I love them. I just love them. I got my news from over here. But, you know, there's not a lot of them in the used area. And and I've always thought, you know, knowing the number of saddles that, that Kathy sold, um, 
the fact that there's not a lot of them on the market only leads me to believe that the people that have them love them and don't want to give them up. Yeah. So to okay. me, that's, that's part of it. You know, some people like, yeah. why aren't there a lot of used ones? Because probably the people that bought them love yeah. them and don't want to give them up, you know, and they will fit every, they feel pretty much the, the widest variety of horses that can be fit. My saddle will fit. So from the mules and the donkeys to the thoroughbreds, to the pony, to my little fat, flat-backed halflinger, and my knife-withered Morgan Quarter Horse Cross. Mm -hmm. And, you know, fits them all. Good sweat marks, you know, and 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 if you and it since it rides, it since it sits you in a centered position, you're not impeding on your horse's movement either. The only problem that I have found that I have um, with my saddle in the one uh discipline is dressage mm -hmm. where they want to sit i cannot put them no i just can't i can't put their butt anywhere close to that i can redistribute the weight better so that it you know it sits in the right spots behind those withers right where you'd want to sit on a bareback horse but i can't get their butt there just due to the nature mm -hmm. of how these this panel saddles work I know that's where they want to be, <laughs> but if they ever find a hard to fit horse that they can't find a saddle that conventionally will sit them there without soaring their horse, mm -hmm. then they can come find me. But of all the disciplines, that's the one that I've not, that I know I'm, I'm probably never going to be able to get, get close enough to their sweet spot that they mm -hmm. prefer, even if their horse would perform just as well. Um, I don't think that I'm going to get into that market, but yeah. I do make saddles on that tree. I make endurance saddles on that tree. I'll make a dressage saddle on that tree because um, people like to sit in them. It's a nice deep seat yeah. um, and for certain things, but for actually doing dressage, my Grand Prix dressage writing friend and bookkeeper that does my books explained to me why, why I was having trouble in that market. So I focus more on people that are more worried about weight distribution, fit, and and not soaring their horse, or having a horse that's asymmetrical and they need they need help with that. Hmm. So yeah, yeah, that's where I'm at. <laughs> where where can people find you then? You have a homepage or Yep. I do have a website. It's uh evolutionarysaddles.com. Um all one word. Uh, that's, that's my main website. It's got all of my products, all the saddles that I have available. Um, you can sign up for my email list on there. Um, and I also, um, have a Google business page where you can find me organically. So if you just put evolutionary saddles in your Google search, it will come up pretty quick in yeah. the top 10, if not number one, if you put in evolutionary saddles and I have a Facebook page and I have an Instagram but I'm mainly on Facebook. I have found that the people that want to learn about me are on Facebook, a lot less of them on Instagram. And, uh, and that's under evolutionary saddles as well. And I have a Facebook group there too. So if you want to learn more about um, the saddle or talk to people that are interested in the saddle, or it's, some, it's a lot of times the place I announce things saying this is coming and this is coming. Mm -hmm. I'll announce it there before I put it out on my main page just to see what the reactions are um, and that kind of thing. So, yeah, you can find me online. If you put on my evolutionary saddles in any search, you're going to come up with something that, that talks about me because <laughs> I do try to do the right search engine optimization things and stuff to make sure that mm. my thing gets to the front of the line. Not yeah. that I am an expert at that, but have a I have a plug-in that tells me if I'm doing it wrong <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's great um, well what a fantastic story and well, uh, thank you and love to see you so yeah <laughs> so thank you very very much for coming today that was very interesting and I think if you out there want to see the saddle so please have a look on the, on the home page uh, 
or in Facebook. Um, yeah. Look yeah. me up. Then See call some, me up. Some something <laughs> different. Yeah. It sounds very different. So. Yeah, but I'm willing to listen. So if somebody has just a problem and they have a regular saddle and they're like, I don't, I don't know where to turn. Because a lot of times when you go to other saddle fitters or other saddle companies, yeah. they want to solve your problem with their product. Yes, I want that's to right. solve your problem, hmm. be it with my product or not, because good customer service, good client relations, hmm. being kind to people and listening to their problems only makes them remember that the next time they have a problem, they're not going to go to the other guy. They're going to call me up and they're going to say, Hey, can you help me? And whether I can help them or not, either I'll steer them in the right direction or I'll help them myself. But unless they ask, and sometimes people are just afraid to ask the question. Mm -hmm. No question is a bad question. Never be afraid to ask a question. Bottom line. That's right. That's right. Sounds great. Thank you. Thank you very Thank much. Thank you for having me, Anne. This was a fun. Yeah. <laughs> and thanks to all of you out there who have been listening or seeing this podcast. And uh, please subscribe so we can carry on with these podcasts. It's fantastic to know about all these people all over the world. So thank you very much. And uh, thank you. We'll see you again. Bye-bye.